Welcome, everyone. Ask Rabbi Miller by Simchas HaChaim Publishing. But now we'll spend a few minutes hearing questions. On any subject, first question. Is it permissible to think about Hashem in the bathroom? And the answer is yes. You should never forget about HaKadosh Baruch The proof is, when you're in the bathroom, you have to fulfill certain parts of the Shulchan Aruch Erechayim. It tells you certain procedures you have to follow in the bathroom. Certain halachas. So certainly you have to think about HaKadosh Baruch the Hilchas Beis HaKisei, certainly you have to think about it. Otherwise, you won't be able to do it. But, Divrei Torah, that's a specific thing. Words of the Torah, we try to avoid. We try not to think. However, the Poskim say, if a man is so accustomed always, of course, it doesn't apply to most of us, if he always is thinking in Divrei Torah, that even in a bathroom he's not able to remove his mind from it, then there's no Isa. That's how they're poskin paskin, it's muta. But otherwise, we try to honor Divrei Torah, like you don't bring a safer into a bathroom, so you don't bring Torah thoughts into a bathroom. But to think about HaKadosh Baruch in the bathroom, certainly. Question. Question. Is it proper to commit suicide in order to prevent the Sinai from being surrendered? If you ask those who say, that we have to go along with Begin and agree with him. So according to those Gedolim, you're doing a very big sin by committing suicide. It's a suffix It's a big question. In a human life, if it's a question, then we always go to Chumrah and try to save a human life. So therefore, there's no question. Nobody should commit suicide now because of that. The truth is, even those who say that we should do everything we can to prevent the Sinai from being lost, I'm sure the Gedalim wouldn't permit suicide either. And even there may be some individuals who are not Talmud HaChomim who say that, so we have to disregard what they say. So therefore, suicide should be out of the question for such a matter. Question. Should a Torah Jew read the Jewish press? Answer. A Torah Jew should fulfill what says in the Torah, You have to think in the Torah whenever you have any spare time. Question. I'll add another question. What's better, Jewish press or the New York Times? 
Jewish press is only about a thousand times better than New York Times. So it's a matter of relativity. For some people, the Jewish press is a very good thing. And I would say it openly. You have relatives. Some people have relatives or friends who are not from. And they have no connection with Yiddishkeit at all. It's a pity. And you buy them a subscription to the Jewish press. So once a week, some propaganda about kosher cheese comes into their homes. Propaganda about Shmir Shabbos comes into their homes. They never heard it before. These people are so hostile to Yiddishkeit. They have no identification. And most of the fry are like that. And when the Jewish press arrives every week by mail, you don't even think of what's going on. Once you pay their subscription, it goes on all the time. I recommend that for Freya people. However, don't buy a subscription for your Rosh Hashiva. <laughs> Unless he wants to sneak out and buy it himself. <laughs> and so, if you're a Jew who knows how to learn, so you should have Sforim in your house, a Shas, an old Sforim, and whenever you have a free minute, even five minutes, run over to your shelf and take out a safer. If you say one word of Torah, let's say you're waiting, somebody's coming to pick you up, only have one minute, a half minute, say one word of Torah, the God says it's more important than all the mitzvahs of the Torah put together. The whole chafot secha lo all your desires are not equal to one word of the Torah. The God says that. So if you can get in one word of the Torah, just one word, it's equal to all the mitzvahs. It doesn't absolve you from doing the other mitzvahs. If you do all the mitzvahs and you learn one word, it's like doing more than all the mitzvahs together. Question. Question. On the Masada, were they right in committing suicide? And the answer is absolutely. Because they weren't doing it to protest. They committed suicide because if they fell into the hands of the Romans, they would be tortured to death. And that's the halacha. If you know for a certain that there is a way in Shalom torture, it's mutter of a person to take his life to avoid torture. We learned this from Shoal Amelach, who fell on his sword in order to avoid being captured by the Plishtim, who would have tortured him to death. But they didn't commit suicide for patriotic reasons. It's a mistake, a plain error. You see, the Romans were already in control of all of Eretz Yisrael. The Messiah was one of the last places that resisted. And the Romans on resistors were extremely cruel. They didn't just kill the resistors. First they captured them. Then they scourged them. That means they beat them. They whipped them mercilessly with bushes of thorns until they had no skin left on them. Then they tortured them and, and scraped off their meat from their bones. Finally, while they were still alive, they saw that the victims were alive. The Romans were experts. They died they kill them. And so, to avoid torture, a person is justified.
love mentioning that we were allowed time to destroy them. It's very important not to have chapter punishment. What about the Sanhedrin who tried to harvest the same as the Now, why did they try to save the Sith? It's so important to have the punishment. Again. If capital punishment is so important just to kill people and kill others, so why is it so important? If capital punishment is such an important matter, so why did Sanhedrin use so many expedients to set free to exonerate the murderers or the highway missing? And the answer is capital punishment is very important. It's a big mitzvah. But pikuach nefesh, we hit is a bigger mitzvah to rescue a man. It's only when they couldn't fulfill the hit to rescue him, then... There's a mitzvah of a shaft to hoi, they have to judge and put him to death. Question, why does the neshama need to be covered? That's a good question. The neshama is covered by the body. So why should the neshama be covered up? And the answer is, because if the neshama was open, then nobody would want to soil it. Nobody would want to get the neshama spotted. And therefore, you wouldn't get any reward for being a tzaddik in this world. Because suppose somebody gives you an expensive tablecloth that's worth a million dollars. The shaman is worth more. What will you do about that tablecloth? Will you wear it in the street? No, you'll put it in the vault. You see, nothing ever comes close to it. So if people's neshamas were uncovered, nobody would do anything. They stay home all the time. They keep blinders over their eyes, they wouldn't have a telephone, they have no contact with the world, they want to guard the Shoma. But our Kodesh Bodoh who wanted to put mankind to a test, but this world is a world of tests, so he concealed the Nishama, and therefore most people forget that they have one. And that's the big test to remind ourselves that we do have a Nishama. Hatov, question. The good one, that your mercies have not come to an end. Then he says, and the merciful one, that your kindness did not finish. Answers as follows. First, we start out Hatoy. Hakodesh Baruchu is the good one. Now, how good is he? Answer is, there is no good one in the world as good as HaKadosh Baruch Every good one in the world finally loses patience. Gets fed up. You have a good friend, and you ask him, lend me a dollar. Again, after 5,999 times, he might say, go someplace else and borrow a dollar. But HaKadosh Baruch each time you ask for a dollar, that's a breath. You breathe. That's more than a dollar. He continues to let you breathe. Even many times, we don't deserve it. He says, keep on breathing. Your mercy never comes to an end. Now, since he's merciful, so he might think that's all he's going to do, let you breathe. But when it comes to having panosit, or having garments, or having even good times, He'd say, why should I? Be happy, I'm letting you breathe. His rachamim, which came from his toy, is so great 
that lo samu chasidah, even favors he does too. He keeps on saying, eat breakfast, eat supper, enjoy the sunshine, eat an apple. Oh, that much. That's something that we don't know what to say to our Kodesh Baruch anymore. All we can do is bow down. We're so loaded down with humility in HaKoraz Toy, we say, Mo'oshiv Hashem, what can I pay back to Hashem? So yeah, HaToy, you're the good one. How good are you? Your mercy never come to an end. You have pity. You let us live. You let us breathe. But not only that, your mercy is so great that you go on from there, and you keep on doing favors to us and giving us happiness. How could suicide ever be justified? In view of this statement that a man should never be meyayish, never give up hope, even when the sword is on his neck. And the answer is, every Maimer Chazal has to be studied with Perushim. And therefore, this is a parish that Chazal themselves give. When they see that all is lost, Shaul saw that he lost, and that the enemy is closing in on him, and he knows they're going to capture him, and therefore he is justified. Now, in the case of Shaul, you might say it was a different circumstance because he knew that he's going to die anyhow in battle. He knew that because he had gone the day before and he had consulted the Nishame of Shmuel Anavi. And Shmuel had told him, Tomorrow you'll be with me. However, the Gemara learns Aloha from this not only for Shaul, everybody else. So we see that that's a perish. So a Jew is mutel to do that. That's what the Poskim say in case he understands that he's going to be put to torture and then die. So he might as well die without torture. However, this does not apply to euthanasia. It does not apply to taking one's life to avoid suffering. We're talking about being tortured by Goyim. It's a different kind of torture. And so... Even though one Maimar Chazal might mean something, but we have to listen to the other one, which is a parish on the first one, because both come from the same source. Any other questions? In the Varadok, they used to do certain things, for instance. Now, I don't know how true it is, but this is what I heard, that they gave people certain exercises of character to overcome certain weaknesses of Midas. For instance, if somebody was too bashful and you needed Givura, Rabbi Hashem, you have to be a hero. And so, he used to walk into a synagogue in the middle of the month and give a clap and say, let's say it's the middle 
of the winter time. He gave a clap and said, Ma Shivaruch Meredagashim. Now it wasn't Mafsik, but he already doubted Meyer. And of course everybody would laugh at him, because everybody knows it's winter time. Certainly you say it. But they were supposed to do that in order to teach themselves to overcome too much bashfulness. I don't know if it's true or not. That's what I heard. When I went to Slabotka, that's what they told me. That's what they did in Valva. Could be with prejudice. But that's what they said. And the answer is, everything needs limit. It depends. If a person is noited too much to weakness, to ruich levov, is too soft-hearted, too weak, he has to learn to be tougher too. If a person is too tough, he has to train himself to be more gentle too. And therefore, it depends. Chinuch hamidus is something that should be done. However, always you have to be aware of overdoing it. If a person will learn to be asponim, asponim is a contradiction. To be too bold is a contradiction to the achats. Because bashfulness, to be bashful, is a very big aid that Tarek has. If you're bashful, you take in consideration what people think of you. As ponim leganeden, ubeishes ponim, ubeishes the as ponim legehenna. A person is as ponim, he's bold, he has no inhibitions, we're afraid he might do serious avers. A bashful fellow is usually rescued from very many situations that for somebody else could be perilous. Now, in the matter of being bashful, it's important to keep in mind what the famous Halbobis teaches. But before we learn what he says, you have to remember it's important to have somebody of whom to be afraid. Everybody should have some Rebbe to whom he feels accountable. If you're just a free lancer, sometimes you go to this synagogue, sometimes another synagogue, and there's nobody who can control you, then you're in a bad shape. You need somebody who has something to say about you. So your wife should be able to come to complain to him. Or others should be able to come to complain. Otherwise, say, who is his rov? He doesn't have any rov. His wife calls me up. I say, who is his rov? He has no rov. He has no rov, so I can't talk to him. So it's number one important. You have to have some... No part of this lecture may be reproduced in any form, even for personal use. The Ask Rabbi Miller podcast is published by Simchas HaChaim Publishing online at simchashachaim.com. Rabbi Miller's recorded lectures are property of Yeshiva Gedola B.C. Israel.